ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 30 million cards, from baseball superstars like Aaron Judge to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man. ComC has something for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. We got some news this week. We got some news that the Topps 582 Montgomery Club is back. There's a lot of speculation that Tops was going to do away with the club this year after kind of some of the headaches that, that they encounter when they botched some of the drops for the pre-sales and when they allowed people to get in and not get in and canceled memberships and some people have multiple memberships. So there's a lot of speculation that the club was going to be going away. 2022 was going to be the last year, but we got news that the club is going to be back. They are implementing some changes, which I think will help streamline and simplify things a little bit, but the club will be returning. First of all, they seem to be pretty aggressive in executing the directive that there should only be one membership per household. And I've seen a few emails floating around out there that Tops has looked and have found that some people might be abusing that and have cut them off, not even giving them an opportunity to renew one of their memberships. The other thing that they're doing is cutting the number of guaranteed sets from five or six down to just two, the factory set with the special stamp and one other 20-card mini set. And then they've limited the pre-sale options to six. Then they specifically called out six different products that people would have access to to pre-sale um, opportunities on. It it never ceases to amaze me though, as as this was being rolled out, people were starting to take some screenshots of that email and were were putting them out there. It never ceases to amaze me some people's inability to read. The, the screenshots were right above a Twitter thread, and there were people commenting in that Twitter th- thread, I can't believe that there's no guaranteed products anymore. It's like, well, no, there actually is. There's two of them. I can't believe that there's not going to be pre-sales anymore. Oh, no, actually there is. I can't believe we're not even going to get Bowman Chrome Sapphire as one of our pre-sale options. Actually, that was specifically called out and listed. Come on, people. Just read Take a second and read. If you're basing your information off of a tweet that somebody else made that doesn't have any source material in it, before you go and regurgitate that, here's a tip. Try to find out for yourself if if that is actually accurate. Try to find the source information of where that's coming from. Did it come from a credible, reputable source or article, or is it just another random Twitter person spouting nonsense? I, I just can't believe it sometimes. I get a kick out of it. Um, It can get frustrating, but it can also be pretty humorous. Uh, What we see some folks in the hobby just kind of spout off and regurgitate. Anyway, that is my little rant, my little announcement about the 582 Montgomery Club. I will be renewing this week for $149. I figure that the two guaranteed sets themselves should be worth somewhere around $75, which would only leave me needing to make up at least $75 in profit from some of these pre-sales to reach that $150 value. So I'm willing to take that risk. I'm going to I'm going to jump in again and continue my my membership. 
Well, our main topic today is going to be part two of our conversation with Sports Card Radio with Colin and Ryan. We're going to focus more of our conversation this time on the current state of the hobby, kind of the current state of where we are with with buying, selling, the, the prices that we've seen, content creation in our current environment. Some of those types of topics are what we're going to be talking about in today's conversation. I'm going to go ahead and run that after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that breaks new product almost seven days a week now on YouTube and Facebook. You can see what they're going to be breaking this week by checking out their website, udogcollect.com. You can also visit them at their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee to see their full selection of wax, singles, supplies, even watch some of those breaks live right there in the shop. They're also an approved group submitter to SGC, so if you're thinking about grading some cards, you can learn more about their group submission program by checking them out at udogcollect.com as well. And when you do, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. Let's talk a little bit about where things are at in the hobby. We've seen a tremendous run-up and now a bit of a correction in cards over the last couple of years. We've seen a ton of collectors either return to the hobby or maybe start collecting for the first time. And there's been an explosion of podcasts and YouTube channels that have all started about the same time. Some are providing great info and some who are intentionally or unintentionally sharing some pretty bad advice. And so for many years, you discussed that many of these card companies were on the brink of collapse. But how do you see the current state for card manufacturers? Uh, the current state is is probably decent uh, when it comes to tops. They they basically got bailed out uh, by fanatics. They got bought by for five hundred million before we saw this rather large co- correction. Like that company, if they would have held on, you know, that's probably worth three hundred million now. Um, so they got bailed out a little bit. Panini is either going to hang on with their licenses for the next um, year or two years or however long they've got them. And if they want to play that route, they can. If they want to sell those licenses or sell part of their business, that opportunity may be there from what I'm hearing. The the financing is tough right now. I mean, you can't, you're not going to be able to go get a bank loan to, to buy a semi-profitable company. Uh, it, it's just always been a tough business with the manufacturers. A lot of people think they just print money. And it's like, yeah, they print money for the leagues because uh, for every dollar of sales, I think 20 cents goes to the league and then another probably 20 cents goes to the players. And so for every dollar, you're only left with 60 cents. And that's before any operating costs, any product costs, cost of goods, shipping, FedEx and UPS and logistic providers, they chew up, they've got to chew up uh, 10 cents of every dollar just in the logistics of moving them. There was all these middlemen with the GTSs and the guy that runs the Target thing. It's like there were all these pieces, all these people in the middle. And so it sucked up a lot of the profit. Obviously, Fanatics is working to uh, eliminate a little bit of that. But now we're, we're running into a recession to where it's like, do people really want to pay $300 for a box of UEFA Chrome or something like that. Like it's 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 always been this way though. It's always been kind of big waves of, hey, cards are awesome. A bunch of new people come in and then boom, the values just kind of crash. And then it, it tends to plateau kind of at the bottom for a little while. And then you have these very short peaks where interest and money and, and, and profits roll in, but boy, those profits are short-lived. And then certainly when you look at the products, most of them are rookie heavy, particularly football and, and probably basketball too, maybe a slightly lesser degree. So if the rookie classes are garbage, or the key guy gets hurt or, or whatever it might be, 
Well, then it becomes even harder to 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 make money. And and so for me, the the business from the the quote manufacturer end has not changed a whole lot. Fanatics buying tops changes that a little bit. Um, if I were to have to put money into one of the companies, probably tops because they have financial backing. They have the right perspective, eliminating all the people in the middle and going direct to consumer or going direct to breaker or something like that. So for me, that hasn't changed a whole lot, but um, yeah, the profits and then every year sports gets more popular and then they renegotiate the contracts. And instead of 20 cents, now you're given 23 cents on every dollar. And it's, to me, it's just, it's like one of the worst businesses uh, in the world. There's just not many people that have gotten mega rich by you get mega rich by being the NFL. You don't get mega rich by like being a licensee of the, the NFL. That's just how I see the business. Yeah, Panini seems to be in a in a world of hurt. Um, definitely a lot of question marks about their future. What do you think about or how do you think about some of the the niche players like Brian Gray at Leaf? You know, they've done okay, right? With with what they've got for them. Um, you've got Parkside Cards that has some niche products. You've got Wild Card that has, you know, some unlicensed collegiate, you know, NIL type products. They seem to be carving out this this niche in the hobby for themselves and at least enough to be able to continue and sustain. How do you think about some of those niche companies? Do you want to touch on Brian Gray? <laughs> it was it was great seeing him come on your uh, your live stream a, a few weeks ago. That was fantastic. Yeah, that, that was pretty awesome. I mean, we certainly could sit down with him and probably do like a two-hour special with him where we dip dive into every single topic over the last 10 years with him. I think with these niche card makers, I think there's probably some opportunities. They're not going to get big. It's not going to be some big, huge business, but you're right with the NIL, with some of these guys. I mean, imagine if there was some Victor Webb and Yama cards right now, and some people may not know who that guy is, but he's like some seven-foot-five guy that moves like Kevin Durant and, and you know, might shoot like Steph Curry a little bit. So, I mean, I think that he should get it. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll watch this back in a year and see what he says. But there's opportunities before these guys hit the league or before they hit the licenses, certainly with uh, some of these other growing sports, probably, you know, soccer. There's all types of leagues with soccer that you have to get licenses with. But, you know, a smaller company could come in and create, I think it's got to be, you know, a key sport. It's either got to get pre-draft like football or pre-draft like with basketball. I mean, honestly, what would a Victor Webb and Yaman autograph uh, sell for right now? I think it would be several hundred dollars at least. I mean, he's going to be the clear number one pick, even if he probably, you know, goes out and 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 breaks two knees tomorrow. So I think there's opportunity for the smaller players. Brian Gray, he's, he seems more like a hustler because he's buying and selling a lot of singles. You know, he's not strict. I think he likes to portray himself as this kind of manufacturer, but that guy's out there hustling. He's buying single cards. I've seen him at the National, you know, buying single cards. And whether these things end up in a repack or he's selling them on eBay or whatever he's doing kind of behind the scenes, you know, he there's some more angles to his business than just making cards kind of printing cards. You know, you don't see tops sitting there at the national doing large cash deals for cards. So he's a little bit more of a hustler, but some of these smaller companies, you know, again, that the, there's gotta be a niche. There's gotta be some, some interest 
or it's just got to be so small. It's two or three people put together a skateboarding set or whatever it is. I think there's opportunities in music. We've talked to a few guys who have been connected with cards over there who are trying to break into the music, but there you're running into all kinds of licensing from the record company, from the guy's manager, from all these people who kind of control these artists who don't just want these cards out there. And so I think there's opportunities, but I think you run into obstacles the same way you do with these larger companies, with licensing, with players with money with getting these guys to you know pay attention to you and sign cards or whatever it is so i think it's a challenging business i'd rather be probably on the other end and selling all these people's cards um but you know somebody like brian gray he's been able to make it work because i think he is a hustler he's out there doing a lot of different thing different things he's you know spending a lot of money at the national to again take those cards and repackage them in some kind of way and not the traditional way of, you know, printing cards, cutting them up, putting into packs. That's a tough business historically. And we've seen that unless you get a company like Fanatics coming in, could you imagine if Fanatics hasn't come in, what shape would Tops or Panini be in after this huge run up? You probably had to employ a bunch of people and then boom, you've seen the market fall out of your product. You've seen weak rookie classes in football. You've seen, you know, pretty good rookie classes in basketball, but people aren't interested in Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and some of these guys who may be good players, but they just don't have the juice as somebody like Luca did or Zion or some of these guys we've seen in the past. Or certainly with Webb and Yama, it's going to come along and, you know, really put a jolt to the basketball. He keeps shaking his head because he thinks he sucks, but <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. So watch when this guy comes along. Interest in basketball cards are going to spike up around the summertime or whenever they get this guy's cards into circulation because he could be, you know, a generational player. You talked about being on the other side, uh, on the selling side, we've also seen an explosion in marketplaces. And some of the new marketplaces seem to be gaining some traction. Others seem like they're already, even in the midst of this, this peak that we've seen, seem to be on the brink of shutting down. Do you think from your perspective that any of these new platforms have hit on something that will lead to long-term success as a, as a card marketplace? I think there's room for more than uh, certainly before the boom, there was, there's more, there was room for like one or two other ones. And then certainly the auction houses have kind of shifted from their focus was more maybe towards that connoisseur type buyer. I, I see them starting to shift more to the kind of maybe the retail buyer, the average buyer of, of cards to maybe a slightly above average with their price point. But I, I think there was room for it. I, I, it's certainly a, a platform that's similar to check out my cards. And I think alt has done it to a certain degree where it's kind of cross platform to where it, they're still utilizing eBay. Nobody's going to be able to take away eBay um, only because of its, its reach and its ubiquity kind of in, in the hobby, but using it as a, a platform is certainly viable. Um, and I think, you know, the auction houses may get there as well to where, you know, you kind of cross parallel in, into those places too. Uh, the vaulting idea, uh, certainly there was room for more, more vault, I think, um, because, you know, if you amass a lot of cards, you don't necessarily want, want them on you. And after you kind of touched a really nice card, you know, like, I don't know, you don't really need to touch every single nice Michael Jordan card that you have 
Um, and, and so I think there was opportunity there. And I think it was it was good to see the investment. Uh, obviously, some of them certainly uh, like just didn't have the right marketing or maybe uh, didn't pace their investment money very well. And, and they kind of ran to the end of the rope on that. But, you know, that 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 kind of happens. But I think from a from a buying and selling standpoint, I would say the hobby is in a, a much better place than it was just three or four years ago, where you have more options. The liquidity, if you need to get out of a card, is there. You might not get the price you want it, but there are multiple ways to sell the cards. And then certainly if you are a buyer of cards and you're trying to accumulate either a certain player or a certain type of card, the accumulation, I would say, is a little bit easier because there's more there's more places to, to buy these cards. And, and so I, I think it was good. Uh, obviously, there the, there's going to be failure in any type of business, but that failure kind of allowed the ones that were already doing pretty decent to to continue on. And so I, I think that's actually been the the one of the there's been many positives, but that's probably been one of the the larger positives to come after kind of the boom is there are more options and more places to either sell these cards or to acquire them and buy them. From what I'm seeing, it also seems like some of these new content creators and platforms are geared towards the newer entrance to the hobby, you know? And while I appreciate that desire to bring eyeballs and awareness to this, this new segment, um, it, they also have a very different approach to the hobby as some of the, the more traditional or longer term collectors. Uh, at the same time, the hobby has been very historically slow to adapt and preferences of the lifers aren't necessarily the only thing that content creators or some of these companies should be focused on. Do you have any thoughts on this balance of maybe creating a business that's focused on a customer or a viewer base, which may not ultimately be here very long term, versus getting stuck in the past by focusing on lifers who don't want anything to change at all? It seems to be kind of a fine line to walk. And uh, I was curious if you guys had any thoughts on that. It's really interesting because you're seeing the two almost collide. The people there's a whole bunch of influx of new people who stayed in who came into the hobby. Now some of them are staying in. There's a whole bunch of us, you know, like Mike here, you know, Colin, Mike here, and us who've been around for you know seemingly decades now. And it's I've seen some of the new companies have. It's hard to reach some of us older guys, and 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 somebody like check out my cards probably hasn't reached some of the new people like uh, a star stock did like an alt has is trying to do and, and you know a pwcc i think has probably done a better job of reaching some of the new people some of the older people have been around and know some of the some of their history you know probably refuse to use them so there's a very fine balance and not to like pat ourselves on the back but we've probably at sports card radio have done a little bit of a good job of reaching the new audience now maybe they hate us but you know Certainly, I think the older and the new audience is, you know, we we're kind of tapped into both sides. And it's, you know, it's really interesting. And we're kind of in this middle portion here where, you know, these people who are going to stay into the hobby, what's everybody's role going to be? All these new sites, all these new kind of websites came along, selling platforms came along. Are they all going to be around? Is there room for all of them? We're still in this kind of flux. I think 2023 is going to be a very, very interesting year where we're going to see this play out. These new people that have stuck around, these new companies, 
How's it all going to play out? Are they going to be able to get enough business? You know, they probably aren't going to scale up, but are they going to be able to scale up to a point where they're going to be able to sustain a business? Very, very interesting. Uh, kudos to the content creators who kind of came along during the sports card boom and are still here and are still creating content. That's difficult to do. I'm sure they get as much criticism or more than we do a lot of times for some of their past statements or how they felt about cards or some of their old videos are probably cringeworthy. Honestly, go listen to some of our first podcasts or some of our first appearances. They're going to be cringeworthy. We're going to have bad takes, bad advice. We clowned on Luka Doncic for how many years when his cards were way, way cheaper than they were. I mean, right when Luka Doncic came out, we were clowning on him. And then we saw cards go tick, 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 up. Now they're on a downside. We're not taking any kind of victory lap there because that guy's a great player and there's, you know, market forces and, and kind of an oversupply that's in play there. But, you know, kudos to the people that are still around. It's going to be a very, very difficult 2023, I think, to kind of mesh the two kind of people together, the older collectors and these new people that just came around and are still kind of learning things. 2023 is going to be very difficult. I, I, you know, is everybody going to make it? Is there money enough for everybody? Are we going to still see kind of a decline in the market, decline in interest of cards? We shall see. My prediction is that we are, and 2023 is going to be a very difficult year. And the companies that are able to kind of grab as much market share as they can, interest, get as much interest from as many people, hold the older people's interest, hold some of those newer people's interest, they're going to have success or some of those legacy brands, PSA, ComC, some of the older companies that have been around and withstood the kind of booms and busts, I anticipate that they'll be fine as well. It seems that the switch to sports card radio creating YouTube content versus the audio only podcast content was something that has really led to your audience exploding in this last year. I was, I was wondering what led to that evolution towards creating video content instead of audio only. Was it, was it the content that you were doing in some of these other areas that kind of solidified that for you as a, a place to go next? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I uh, like, I think I shut the, or I kind of shut down the podcast. I was like, it was like, you know, March, 2020, we all know what was going on then. And I was like, you know what? I want to look back on 2020 and be like, I accomplished this. Like, I don't want to look back on it negatively. And so I look back on 2020 as one of my greatest years of all time. Um, like I switched to talking about finance. I think at the time I had a thousand subscribers on a finance channel and I saw the, the, just the rapid growth that you could have over there. And I remember just talking to him on the phone. I was like, dude, we got to YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. We got to go to YouTube, YouTube. I think, I, I mean, like we talked about it for months where it's like, dude, we got to get on YouTube and we got to go over there and start testing out. And I think it took us a while. Like it, like people would criticize us and, and stuff in the beginning. It, we were trying to figure out what was going to work over there. And, and that's the, the, that is the challenge with YouTube is so many people start it, but they don't take it to the finish line because you, you have to, you, there's a balance. Like there's content that works there that'll get you to a certain level. And then if you want to blast up over that, you kind of have to constantly be kind of mixed in new things and so yeah it was just seeing the the explosive growth of the stock the stock market growth kind of parallel a parallel trading car any asset really parallel you could have talked about 
whatever, like carpets and, and probably did okay. Um, and so we, we just saw the, saw the growth there. I constantly told them, dude, we got, we got to get on there. I was watching watch content and day in the life videos of that. And I was like, dude, this is sick. We got to do this. And we just kind of, uh, continued to, to do it and do it and just kept testing things. And then, the, then eventually just, you know, and also get, like, to be honest with you, just getting paid. We, I did the podcast for freaking, I don't know, 10 years or more. Uh, and I never made any money. Like it, it literally, I still pay like $150 a year to just host the freaking podcast. And I don't make any money. Uh, like, could I get advertisers and things like that over the years? Probably. But it was like, uh, you know, like it was just like, hey, we could put up a video and get a thousand views and make $18. Like to me, it was like, okay, like that's much better than recording a podcast and making zero. And so it really kind of just uh, like spun from that. Like, seeing the growth. And then we wanted this, our haters to see, like we could see like who was listening to the podcast. We could see the interaction. If he showed up at an event or the emails or the DMs or whatever, but no one else could see that. And we're like, dude, let's put this on YouTube. All the haters could see the views. They could see the comments and we could just like punch them in the face twice. And so it's kind of like those two things, like all those things combined was kind of the money and just the growth and just this is where content constantly changes. You know, it started out as text, then it's like text and images, and then people started posting to social media sites. And now it's moving to video and streaming video. And I'm sure in 10 years, it'll be something different. But, you know, you constantly have to move on the internet. If you, if, you know, if you're still trying to make a forum, uh, a million dollar website, it's not going to work anymore or a blog or something like that. You constantly have to improve. And I think it was kind of all of those, those things combined that, that led us to YouTube. And I think it's been a, a great, uh, a, a great medium for us. And I, I think, look, I think if you look, I bet if other people look at their YouTube videos, who's suggesting, whose video do they watch and then go click on? It's probably our videos a lot of the times. And it's just like Jeff, like we look at our thing and it's like, yeah, Jeff, people watch Jeff Wilson and they click on our video or they watch Mojo Autographs or Sasha T or one of these guys. And then they come click on our video. So we're out here making fun of these guys, but we actually want more people out here doing it. And that's why we get excited if we put out a topic and then eight other videos kind of get spawned on it. That's actually a good thing because it, the ecosystem kind of feeds on it up on itself a little bit, even though we're kind of poking and prodding people, it's, it's really out of, you know, like getting, keeping that ecosystem kind of moving. And so I really like YouTube in that sense that it, it that's unique to YouTube. Whereas you could put out a podcast and it could be amazing, but like nobody would care, no comment. There's just nothing on top of the podcast, uh, really. Um, and so that's what I, that's particularly unique about YouTube. You can do a video and then there's these response videos that kind of, uh, spawn from it. When it comes to your goals for the channel, what does success look like for you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, like for me, it's like, I look at like subscribers and views as people. And so um, like, you know, like if a, a like 20,000 people view a video, I look at that as like, you just walked into a basketball arena and everybody was there to hear you talk. And so I like that feeling. I think the goal for me personally next year is try to get to 100,000 people subscribe to the channel. Um, I, I don't think that is going to happen, but that'll be the goal. And so set this super high goal. And for me, it's like, try to get to 100,000 people subscribe to the channel next year. So for me, that's the driving force. I want two plaques on two different channels. Uh, everything else would be secondary. 
So that's my own personal goal with it, whether or not we have the time and the topics and the 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 wide enough content like uh, like appeal of it to do that. I don't know, but that that is my personal goal heading into next year with the channel. I don't know about him. I'm surprised how many people watch. I mean, you know, 20,000 people watch a video within a few days. I mean, it's just pretty shocking. And then five, 600 comments on some of those, you know, videos and they go half and half, you know, sometimes hating us, sometimes, you know, loving us. So, and we get, you know, lots of emails, lots of response on social media. So I'm, I mean, success is I'm already pretty shocked at how many people have started to watch. We certainly have goals. I think we said at the beginning of the year, Hey, let's get to 10,000 subscribers. I think we had around five and I think, I don't know, we're approaching 20,000 now. So I think, yeah, the goal is a hundred thousand subscribers. I, I, it's, I get it's possible. I, I could see a very bad year for cards in 2023 where a lot of people are going out of business, lots of scams happen, lots of kind of, changes happening in the market with fanatics and where you might be able to sell these things and, you know, different breakers, maybe reaching different hierarchies. So I could see diff I could see a very, very productive 2023 for us where we're talking about a lot of different things and a lot of different topics. So I think, you know, hundred thousand certainly uh, possible and we'll, you know, we're going to give it a shot. So, but for me, I'm stunned by how many people watch and listen already. So success for me and the fact that some of our haters have to now see this <laughs> that to me is success i mean we, you could just name down our top 10 haters and they have to come to our channel and be like holy crap they've they've tripled their subscriber count 20 000, 10 to twenty thousand people watch each one of these videos i just can imagine some of the looks on people's faces i'm not going to name names but i could just imagine some of the looks on people's faces and they just cannot believe and i literally have saved quotes from them talking about oh nobody listens to you guys nobody listens to your podcast nobody this this person gets this many views and i'll probably just saving those for a, a you know later yeah. time to really call them it's out just that. like an athlete like you know like kobe bryant or michael jordan you'd always hear about like they, they would put the some stupid geek reporter yeah. who said he sucked or he was over the hill and he would clip that out. And the, half the world loves this guy. And he would take the one hater that makes $20,000 writing articles and you'd put it up on his wall. And so that's kind of what we do is like the, the one hater that, that, that I think that fuels us as well as like the hate actually fuels us to keep going. So I think if the hate were to go away, it would de derail, derail the channel tremendously. And so we're trying to keep that level up because that, that certainly is motivation. Well, Hey, I want to thank both of you for hanging out today. Like I had mentioned earlier, I owe you a debt of gratitude for the push to start the blog and to start the podcast and for taking time to respond to some of my, my DMS and questions about affiliate marketing and running a website and all of those things over the years. So I, I really appreciate that. Before we go today, if people aren't aware of you and where to find you, let people know where they can find both of you and, and find the channel. Well, we've obviously the the YouTube channel, you can search just Sports Card Radio YouTube or Sports Card Radio on YouTube, it'll pop up. Uh, Sports Card Radio on Instagram, Sports Card Radio on Twitter. He has Sports Card News on Twitter. Um, and that is basically, and the podcast you could search like sports card radio podcast and it, it probably shows up. I haven't posted to it in a little while. Again, I don't get paid to do it. So it's like, I have all this other content I get paid to do. So uh, it's hard to do something for free. Um, I, I do the investor channel here on YouTube as well. And um, that's basically, that's basically what we have going on. I think yeah. Yeah, there, and people are more than welcome to leave a comment. We get so many comments. We do read as, as many as, as we can. 
Um, if uh, the, you can send us an email, sportscardshow at gmail.com. The DMs are open on any of the social platforms as well. Um, I guess hundreds. I, I don't have very many subscribers or followers on Instagram, but the 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 people following you versus messages is a, a very <laughs> abnormally high on there. So I'll tend to get the like I batch my replies. So it might be once a month I'll just sit down and kind of go through all of them. Um, but obviously the people that constantly email us, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease sometimes. So if we don't get back to you right away, uh, please continue to to contact us. But we we try to recognize the big stories or the big complaints, and and we try to address those uh, relatively quickly. Any final thoughts from you, Ryan? No, appreciate your podcast. I listen to it quite often, and the guests you have, and I actually learn quite a, a bit. You know, we're kind of in the same space selling cheap cards, so it's actually kind of useful for me. So thanks for kind of all your work and all your podcasts that kind of you've done all the, over the years. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the Sports Card Shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Well, I tell you what, if they hit their goal of getting 100,000 subscribers by the end of 2023, that means there's going to be a lot of things going on in the hobby over this next year. While the approach and the style isn't necessarily the way that I would handle some of their content, I do appreciate a lot of the messages. And if you look below some of the hijinks, you can see they're calling out and, and letting people know of a lot of things going on that shouldn't be going on. They're warning people to be careful of certain content creators, certain dealers, and certain companies that have reputations that should make some of us collectors cautious. And so if you can look behind some of the hijinks, you can find some information that really does help and really should add value to the collecting community. So I'd encourage you to check them out if you haven't already, because there is a lot that can be learned. Well, that is all I have for you today. I would love to get any feedback that, that you've got from me on these last couple episodes with Sports Card Radio. We're going to have some more great conversations with super collectors and companies and company representatives and that type of thing coming soon over the next several weeks. We are just a few short weeks from our three-year anniversary with the podcast, closing in on episode 200. It's been a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what 2023 is going to bring. We still have three or four weeks here until we get to 2023, but I am looking forward to another year of content creation, podcasting, writing, and having some conversations with all of you out there. 